You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick uh, here to talk about the joint practice today with the Washington Commanders. Uh, exciting day always uh, to have these joint practices. There'll be one today, of course, that already happened and one tomorrow. Uh, and then a game between the two teams, not until next Monday, but a, uh, uh, you know, a, a couple of days of highly physical play that I look forward to each year. Anyway, uh, a hot day today. Uh, of course, they're in they're in full pads. Uh, we had some notable absences still. Ronnie Stanley remained out. Uh, the word from Harbs is he's just protecting his ankle. Now he's missed a couple days. He's basically missed most of the padded practices, if not all of them, this summer. So it'll be interesting to see if he's back tomorrow or they continue to keep him out and uh, really just wait till to use him during the regular season. Obviously, uh, uh, very significant player to the Ravens. It would it would be nice, obviously, to know that that he can stand up to the contact. On the other hand, maybe it's just nicer to to, to see if he can do that in Week One against the Texans. So uh, we'll see how that plays out. In terms of participation, we've got a few things going on and some changes. Uh, the PUP is now completely and empty with J.K. Dobbins' return on Monday. So the, the Ravens do still have four players on NFI with various degrees of when they're going to be back. Mullen uh, is not expected back this season, and he's on a reserve NFI, so they, they have something to wrangle out probably in terms of an injury settlement before they they unload him. Vori's expected to be on NFI the entire year. He's the guy with 38 bench reps, a uh, great prospect for the offensive line and probably to play right guard next year. Uh, Tyus Bowser is still on NFI. Um, we heard some good news yesterday from Harbaugh about Bowser and the likelihood that he'd be back, back for the opener. So that's something to look forward to. And Nick Moore, the long snapper, of course, lost for the season. Uh, they have uh, Tyler Ott, uh, now a former Pro Bowler with the Seahawks, who's who's in and, and doing the long snapping. So the NFI list is bad, but at least the news on Bowser is good because that's Sam linebacker spot, one of the really big weaknesses for the Baltimore Ravens going into this year. A few players missed practice today. I did not see uh, Isaiah Likely out there. Uh, Jalen Armour Davis, Pepe Williams, uh, Rock Yassin, Arthur Mullet, and uh, Jaquan Amos. So five defensive backs missed practice, four of them corners. Ravens pretty damn shorthanded in this practice at cornerback, but it meant some more reps for some uh, players who now have a chance, and we'll get to that a little bit later. Two new Ravens um, in, in camp, both defensive backs. DeAndre Houston Carson 
uh, a safety wearing number 45, and Tay Hayes, a cornerback wearing number 18. Uh, both were on the field, both made some plays, and and uh, it was fun to see a couple of new guys and what they could do. So uh, uh, Carson, uh, uh, sorry, Houston Carson in particular, uh, looks like a hitter. And we're gonna we're gonna probably enjoy seeing him play in that first in that next preseason game. It's an extremely physical and particularly chippy practice today. They're on two fields, and I got to tell you, trying to cover practices like that, I'm, I've just given up on the on the component of trying to watch two fields at once. It's too much. So what you're gonna get from me is a review of what the defense did today. I stayed on the defensive field. I tried to stay hawking that field. Uh, not trying to look over to the offensive field and see what happens. There was fireworks on that field. There's lots to see. There's also a streaming component to this practice that that uh, uh, looks like it's uh, hosted by Garrett Downing on the Ravens website. That'll be something that uh, that uh, that you can watch if you really want to see Zay Flowers. Or you want to see how the wide receivers are doing. So hopefully that this is the complement to that. This is the defensive side of the of the the ball, and uh, and I'll give you all the information I've I've got on that. Um, I watched uh, all defenses, as I, as I said. Special teams drills is what they started with. Uh, they had some uh, some punting uh, they were doing. They actually were, were kicking the ball today, which is unusual. Uh, Stout had a couple of really booming punts today. They weren't just purely directional. Um, of the coverage guys, Dante Demas stood out for beating two gunners on consecutive reps. That's really good. Dante Demas, one of the things, being a gunner, um, might help him get a practice squad elevation at some point during the season. I think he's almost certainly headed for the practice squad. Um, he'll be a guy who could be a special teams asset when they need him. Uh, one thing that has not looked good so far is his, his blocking um, uh, on offense. He really needs to do more of that. And so, uh, you know, it'll be in a year of opportunity, hopefully for him to grow as a blocker, grow as a receiver, also play some good special teams. And Hey, that could be a, a, a really good niche for him in the NFL uh, and obviously, practice squad activations are a little bit more money, so that's nice and uh, a, a good opportunity for him. I thought that uh, be, besides Demas, that Harrison covered one punt very well. Uh, he was down there, ran right through a double team. By the way, these were both – they were doing a lot of two-by-two two, um, uh, stacking on these gunners. So basically, they were they were making it difficult for the gunners to break through – downfield in in uh, each case which i thought was good and uh, obviously they're not trying to block punts but they're just trying to make it as difficult as possible for gunners and really really test them out so good way to do the drill and and uh and i enjoyed it uh, enjoyed watching that part lots of action in 11 on 11 i'm going to kind of run through a lot of what i've seen here for starters actually let's just talk about the defense in general here the first string cornerbacks uh, today were Stevens, Humphrey, and Ardarius Washington at slot corner. Now that that slot corner job has been passed around like a cold so far, but I think that Washington is probably now likely to keep it into the regular season. If I really had to guess right now, so talk about its evolution a little bit. Brandon Stevens started camp there at slot corner as the starter. Okay, didn't make a lot of sense to me based on physical skills, but that's that's who it was. Um, then Arthur Mollett. Had a shot at it, and uh, I'm forgetting somebody else because there was somebody else who had a shot at it as well, and that's uh, Pepe Williams, of course, who got hurt. Um, now, you know, appears to be out for a couple of months probably. Um, you know, Harbaugh talked about October would be the earliest he'd be back, um, but uh, that really leaves Ardarius Washington as the man. Um, unless they're going to do something like move Kyle Hamilton back to the slot, I think Ardarius Washington has a good chance. The other thing about Stevens is that he's very clearly near the top of their cornerback depth chart. And how do we know that? Well, he was one of the starting three corners today with Stevens and Humphrey and, and Washington, of course. But but the, the point I'm making is that Rakia Sin is out. So I think the lowest that Stevens could be on the depth totem pole would be third among their current cornerbacks. Obviously, if we talked about this in the offseason. That's not an ideal situation to have, have uh, Brandon Stevens be your number three cornerback, but it is what it is. And I think this is an opportunity for him uh, to step forward and uh, and try and do some things well. He looked good in that first preseason game, I thought. Uh, made a good uh, coverage in the back of the end zone. They only threw, I think, three completes on eight targets to his receivers in the game, which is a nice positive. Uh, so good game for him in, in the first thing. 
he gets another chance. Washington also a good game, made the big play on the on the two-point conversion to for the interception that's not technically an interception, I know, uh, on that two-point try, but uh, looked very good. Um, I thought he also had a uh, got in there for a near sack. That's a pressure that actually flushed the pocket into a sack zero as well. So Washington had his good plays uh, against the Eagles as well. And uh, I think both those guys are probably going to get a shot in the opener, assuming Rock Yassin is not back. Um, Arthur Mullet is the only other guy that that uh, might be in the competition at slot corner. And he's been out now for quite a while. So my guess is he probably ends up getting cut based on where he is right now. I just don't think the Ravens know enough about him to go any further than that. Um, and that would leave Washington as the primary slot corner. And I don't even know where they would go next. They might move Humphrey inside. Um, the team is just extremely shorthanded. And like I said, they got a couple of new guys today. Um, they've had one guy in particular who showed up uh, at safety and Jeremy Lusan, who I think is more suited to that role based on speed and instincts than he is going to slot corner. But he also has also played a little bit of slot corner as well. But he's a larger guy. He's about 6'2", and runs a 4740. So you think about somebody like that, you're probably thinking about a safety and not a corner. Um, but corner is where he played in college. So, you know, not 100% sure uh, where he might end up. Uh, probably is not going to make the team. So he'd be a practice squad elevation guy. Uh, more than likely, and maybe between the, the combination of Ardarius Washington and what a, a practice squad elevation, whether Lucian or Mayfield or somebody else uh, might be the guy, would give you enough to get through until you get a second uh, slot corner healthy. Uh, and it's still very possible the Ravens are going to go out to uh, to the market and find somebody, I think. So uh, Ravens have some options, but uh, some guys who would not otherwise get chances are getting chances right now. And it's pretty cool to see some of them coming through. We'll talk talk a little bit about that. Um, other starters, everybody exactly as you expect. Marcus Williams and Hamilton, Smith and Queen, Ajabo and Owe, and uh, Pierce and Matabike. David Ajabo, big day today, by, by, by the way. Couple sacks, really look good as a pass rusher. Um, that's something very nice to see. And, I, you know, I've talked this offseason about very, being very bullish about uh, Owe's uh, season coming up. And I think he will uh, – I think he's going to be quite good. And he'll particularly, if he can stay on that um, weak side, on the rush side – where he faces a naked tackle. And I've talked a little bit about that in terms of being able to um, beat a tackle with his athleticism, causing that tackle to overreact. But uh, but Owe is a guy that uh, had a big day today. Uh, on the defensive line, Pierce and Matabike were the starters, and Pierce had a huge day. Two sacks, twice in the, twice in the backfield, plays blown dead. Um, he looked terrific. And, uh, uh, you know, we just finished a game where Travis Jones looked like the best player on the field by far. Nobody on the Eagles could block him. And you've got Michael Pierce now looking like an interior pass rusher. It's looking more and more like the Ravens are going to be less reliant on kicking a guy inside, whether that might be Tavius Robinson or somebody else. But in the old-style fashion that they have for all of the Martindale era and the first year when they had players of the McDonald era, which is kicking an outside linebacker inside to play uh, essentially a three-tech role and and rush the passer from there. Uh, but they have guys, you know, with with, with uh, uh, Jones and, and the difficulties he poses for the opponent in terms of allowing him a one-on-one -on -one matchup uh, and Pierce and how dominant he's been in terms of compressing the pocket by bull rush and, and beating people. Uh, just really exciting to think about what the interior pass rush for the Ravens could look like this year. It could be driven from the inside um you know campbell has done some of that but the last guy who really dominated from inside was pernell mcphee uh in terms of a guy who who would set up the entire pass rush by his interior ability to beat double teams even so uh i'm, I'm very excited about the about the prospects for that uh talk about a little bit about the pass rush drills i was watching a couple of different groups so i'm back and forth and watching running backs and linebackers and also um uh, outside linebackers edge rushers generally and tackles uh, i saw harrison beat running back Derek gore roquan beat running back chris rodriguez Kaim caesar was having a tough time 
getting stonewalled both in individual drills and in a stunt drill they do. So it's interesting they do they do a stunt drill. One of the things about stunts is they're very effective when you don't know they're coming. And then you know you 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 know you need to get between these two guys, get some shoulders turned, then you have the peel to worry about. If everybody knows the stunt is coming, they're obviously not going to be as effective. And the Ravens had a tough time uh, getting anything going with their stunts against the commander's interior uh, IOLs. Uh, Jeremiah Moon was pancaked on one. Kaim Caesar hit the ground on another. Uh, he was stonewalled on a second uh, rep of that. And Bats and Harrison were also stonewalled on a rep. So, uh, again, I don't put a lot of stock in that seeing in that in, in a, in a practice like that, where everybody knows the stunts coming, you, you, you kind of got to have some trickery going on there. And it's gotta be, it's gotta be trickery two ways. One is they got to know the stunts not coming. And two is they don't, they, they have to know, not know who the looper is or whether it's somebody coming by blitz or whatnot. So it's just not an easy pickup for that offensive lineman or easy switch for them to make. So, uh. Anyway, it was what it was. It was it was kind of fun to watch, but uh, but the Ravens obviously weren't weren't getting it done in that. Moving on to eleven on eleven, um, one of the disappointing things today was the Commanders' ability to open up big holes on run plays. Now you've heard me complain about this before, in that run plays during camp tend to be crap when there's no tackling involved. You just can't tell a lot about what's going on occasionally you get a big enough hole that there's burst and whatnot this is kind of the worst of both worlds in this thing because they were physical and they weren't they weren't supposed to i don't think you know really tackle all the way but they're they're definitely those running backs are trying to make contact those defenders are trying to um knock them down uh you know stop them if if they're in a group but uh you know they're this is definitely much more physical than normal practice and the commander's offensive line opens a big offensive, uh, so sorry, some big holes against the Ravens' defensive line, and that was unfortunate. And uh, they had some pretty effective-looking runs. Uh, and then when they were out in level two, the commanders finished their runs. And in particular, uh, there's a play near the end of practice where Antonio Gibson ran left, and he knocked down Marcus Williams. It was a violent collision. And uh, Williams really took the worst of it, and that that got some oohs and ahs uh, from the crowd. But they had other good runs uh, several times during practice. That uh, that it looks like something that they'll spend a little bit of time on with the tape, if I had to guess. Uh, so uh, was what it was. All right, the new guy, DeAndre Houston Carson, who wears number forty five, had a had a pass defense ten yards uh, near the left sideline. I did not get all of the numbers on these commanders players. And this was a case where I didn't pick up who he had the, he had the PD in front of, um, but nice play by him. Uh, and obviously making his, his presence felt uh, as a, as a newer guy here. Um, then Jeremy Lucian had the first of two passes defense in coverage. This first one was of Brandon Dillon. It was 10 yards by the right sideline. Um, he was there and, and knocked the ball down. Uh, Lucian played some safety in the first game, had a pretty nice set of plays a pass defense, a nice run fit. Uh, take a look at my notes from that game, and you'll see he's he's mentioned uh, fairly well. He got a plus one in terms of my expectation change for him. Uh, he's a guy I would not have expected to make the practice squad. Now I think he's he's got a very good shot at the practice squad. Um, and it looks to me like, like again, moving from corner to safety might be the, might be the move for him. Uh, Corey Mayfield had a pass defense versus wide receiver Zion Bowens, and that was 25 yards. Uh, on the left sideline. Again, you, those are higher leverage plays. Obviously you want to see um, a stickiness in terms of that, uh, that coverage down the field. And he did a good job on that play. Mentioned Michael Pierce being in the backfield twice on sacks. I don't need to do that. Terry McLaurin um, beat uh, Ardarius Washington on a slant uh, 10 yards between the numbers and the left hash. Uh, it, it was a, not a terrible play to get beat on and you're getting beat by a very good player, obviously. So it's not the kind of thing that should upset you on the next play. Ardarius Washington did something that I'm not really too happy about. He, um, put a huge hit on Cole Turner, who first of all is a tight end. So Ardarius Washington's got a little bit of a Corey Ivy size chip on his shoulder from being a smaller guy. And he really probably wanted to put a hit on Turner rather than Turner, lay his shoulder into him and, and look bad. But Turner actually dropped the ball 
five yards from the line of scrimmage, roughly between zero and five, probably near the left sideline. And uh, Washington finished him in terms of sending him to the ground out of bounds very hard. And that precipitated a two-team huddle, whereas Marlon Humphrey later stated uh, they were probably discussing the weather. Uh, but there was some pushing and shoving, and it took a little while for, for them to separate that group. Um, they, they was mentioned at the podium of Harbaugh that, that both he and Rivera had to talk to his guys separately about uh, reducing the chippiness level, uh, reducing some of the some of the cheap shots uh, that were occurring um, in this, but also just just reducing the overall physicality level. Uh, you'd like to see it. You know, it's the, it's the only chance for physicality for some of these players. Um, and then on the other hand, you know, then it gets out of hand and too much is too much. Uh, Jahan Dotson uh, caught a 15-yard pass near the left sideline in front of Brandon Stevens. Uh, Stevens gave up a, you know, a couple plays in, in this practice, but uh, I don't think he looked terrible or anything. Houston Carson delivered a thundering hit on Deami Brown. Uh, they have a pretty deep set of receivers in Washington, quite a deep quality set um, uh, of guys. Uh, Deami Brown was bobbling the football, and Houston Carson absolutely completed that pass defense by uh, blowing him up uh, very hard. Corey Mayfield, another uh, pass defense, his second of the day. is five yards, five circle, but a flag was thrown on that one, so uh, so that may have been taken away. You, you, you often see a flag on the field, and then they don't really give you information about who's on. If it's a pre-snap penalty, I know that's on the offense, so it's a false starter. It's a delay of game. No problem. I'll, I'll, I'll just report that probably as a false start most of the time. But, but when, it's, when it's in the secondary, I don't know if it's an offensive or defensive foul. And it would be nice if the officials took a moment to just kind of declare who it was on. And, and it's, it's very hard to find that official. They obviously don't pitch it over to a a referee to announce the the call. So you got to be right on the official who made the through the flag at the time. And and if you see it, great. And if you don't, then you you kind of miss out on on uh, what sort of a flag it should have been. But my guess is that one was was on Mayfield. Kaim Caesar in a day where there were not a lot of good run stops had a really nice run stop uh, of his own, and uh, that was nice to see after he's had some difficulty in terms of. Uh, his pass rush. So Caesar is a guy who played a lot of the second half in the first game against the Eagles. He probably makes this team on the practice squad. Uh, I would guess because of his size, he's more of a plug and play nose tackle at 320 pounds, roughly, uh, who uh, is the one guy they have uh, not named Jones or Pierce who might be able to fill that backup nose role. Now you can, there are, those tackles are not that rare a body type that, that it's hard to find. Um, but ones who have a little bit of athleticism, it becomes more difficult. But there's there's always a, a Jelly Ellis out there uh, on the wire somewhere you can on the street somewhere where you can pick him up. So uh, it's it's a good position to have if if you want a little bit of depth, if you want to balance your depth across your your various positions on the on the practice squad. And I, I think that's probably where he ends up. Then Lucian had his second PD of the day. He undercut uh, the wide receiver, Casimir Allen, for a, a pass defense. Again, 10 yards by the right sideline. Really nice play there, and uh, and good to see him. Uh, instincts look good, hands the football quickly, and uh, uh, seems to find the ball in the air uh, well. Malik Ham had a sack uh, that, that was uh, blown dead a little bit late, but I believe it was blown dead. And uh, nice to see him continue with some pass rush chops. He, he showed up in the game against the Eagles fairly prominently in my notes. Uh, take a look there. But uh, you know, it, it would have been great to see him drop to coverage some. And they do – They let me, let me sidebar here a little bit. When they do seven-on-seven seven drills, they do two types. So they do from a nickel look and from a base look. So when they do it from a nickel look, they have two inside linebackers. They have three corners and they have two safeties or make up the seven players. When they do it from a base look, they don't have the slot corner and they instead have an outside linebacker they typically use. Okay, with with the inside linebacker. And then that outside linebacker may have coverage responsibility on a tight end, short zone, whatever it might be. Um, And uh, I did not notice Ham out there but that would have been the perfect kind of a place to get him some, some trial there. Why is that important? Well, because the Ravens are still short a Sam linebacker and they need to either 
find one, maybe on the street, Kyle Van Noy uh, is still available, uh, or they need to develop one. And I hope that does not mean one of their top pass rushers, which means Malik Harrison is probably, sorry, uh, Malik Ham is probably the ideal candidate to take that role. So I, I'm, I'm very much hoping that we see him um, in some base looks, have coverage responsibility, or even in some nickel looks, have coverage responsibility where he drops and somebody else rushes the passer. I think I'm comfortable enough with what Malik Cam can do as a pass rusher. It might not be enough, but I'm comfortable enough that he can rush the passer somewhat effectively. What I'm not comfortable with is knowing that he can drop to coverage and provide the Ravens the pass rush flexibility they need from having. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. A outside linebacker that can drop, which allows a, uh, a safety inside linebacker or the slot corner to blitz. So uh, good opportunity for him, uh, hopefully, and it would be nice. And these joint practices are, are kind of an ideal time. Uh, for him to get some uh, opportunities there. See, I mentioned Antonio Gibson knocking down Marcus Williams. Uh, the 11-on-11 session, there, there were several of them, but the last of them ended with Phillips finishing with a pair of good plays. So he's on incredible training camp heater right now, doing everything right, wonderful preseason game. Certainly looks like he's improved his chance to make the team a lot. Um, there aren't too many guys that are right on that very thin roster bubble that – might be on and might be off, but Phillips is one of them. And he had a, a sack that did not seem to get blown dead, but it was a sack, no doubt about it. And the quarterback started to scramble out to the left, and and they took about an extra two seconds before they blew the play dead. But it was his sack, so uh, a, a good play there. He also had good containment of the QB on a run right. So uh, the, the play had kind of broken down. And he was probably not spying the QB, might have a coverage responsibility in a short zone, though, and he contained um, the QB well on that play uh, on a run right, and the play was blown dead before uh, contact, obviously, because the QB is wearing the special jersey and doesn't get hit in these uh, practices. But those were nice 11-on-11 plays. Let's take a drink here. We can move on to 7-on-7. Okay, so... 
One of the really nice things, this was early on the seven and seven drill, is the Ravens delivered a rare coverage sack with the play bone dented seven and seven. Nobody rushes the passer on these. So they they wait about five seconds. If the quarterback doesn't really get rid of the ball, then they blow dead, blow the play dead on a coverage sack. And they did that. And that's it's that's a real credit to the guys who are doing the job here. Seven and seven, it's pretty damn easy to to find open receivers or find one-on-one receivers where there's a high probability of a catch and um, to get a sack in that situation is, is very nice. Um, Washington in this seven on seven session. And I, I, I combined all the seven on seven play and the 11 on 11 play. So I couldn't actually tell you if this was before or after his big hit on Cole Turner, but he held up delivering a big hit on running back Antonio Gibson. And he really could have delivered a pounding on him but he didn't do it. And, uh, uh, you know, he he either got a talking to for not being physical enough on that play. And then he delivered the hit on Cole Turner, or he got a talking to for delivering too big a hit on Cole Turner. And he let up on Antonio Gibson, but either way, uh, Washington certainly was in position to make a big hit there. And that's, what's really important. Jeremiah moon drove uh, wide receiver Dax Milne uh, out of bounds uh, with a very hard hit, just uh, drove him into the ground and out of bounds. And, you know, one thing it's one thing and these were inbounds hits so i'm not saying they were completely dirty they're just overly physical for a um a practice like this i would say uh this one didn't precipitate a fight but uh or, or a you know a huddle of uh of players from both teams uh but it was a, it was a hard hit uh cole turner beat Kayvon seymour crossing 10 yards uh between the numbers in the left hash um, Seymour is a player who got the starting job in the last preseason game, along with Stevens. It wouldn't have been shocking for him to be starting maybe ahead of Stevens in this game, but, uh, he's clearly now behind him on the depth chart. So, uh, uh, you know, an interesting, interesting point there. And, and Seymour, I think he's played quite well. I think he's got a good chance to, to make the team. They love him for his special teams and, if he can be your fifth corner, that's probably great. Uh, you're you're okay with it. If he's your third or fourth corner, I think you're in a lot of trouble. So uh, he, he's uh, he's not the guy you want there, but uh, could make a really good living for himself as a perpetual Raven, giving his special teams prowess if he can uh, uh, play that fifth corner role adequately. Uh, and he's played a little bit all over for the Ravens uh, in that role. He's played a little bit of slot and a little bit on the outside. So, uh, that versatility doesn't hurt him at all. I don't know if he's actually played safety yet, but I have the feeling he probably could. So he'd be one of these, I'll play wherever you need me guys. And, uh, you know, combined with special teams that always wins you a lot of hardball points. Let's see the next thing. Um, Harrison, um, he was beaten by running back Alex Arma. Uh, he tried to punch the ball out after the play. Uh, Arma had a had a good firm grab on about a ten yard play uh, between the numbers and left hash. Wide receiver Jalen Sample caught a five yard pass and absorbed a couple of very big hits. Uh, Mayfield and then Tay Hayes uh, getting into the play there. Uh, each had a big hit on him, and uh, good to see some a little bit from Tay Hayes in this practice. He wasn't out there all that many snaps, but. Uh, uh, but, you know, he, he, he did some hitting when he was, and that's uh, that's good to see. Uh, Jeremiah Moon came back with a, a pass defense, five yards, three circle. You know, I usually mention Ham because I like what I've seen from him as a pass rusher, but Jeremiah Moon also might end up being the backup Sam on this team. And uh, it'd be interesting to see how this plays out. Uh, the Ravens really do need somebody, even if Bowser is able to play at the start of the year. I think they're going to want to try and limit Bowser's snaps. They have a couple ways they can do it. They can go to a two-down um, usage of, say, Malik Harrison on the edge. So usually more as an edge setter than as a um, a, a, a true Sam where, where he brings you a lot of pass rush flexibility. But uh, they could go to out to the street and get a JPP or somebody like that who uh, gives you good run defense in the first two downs, gives you a little bit of pass rush, knows how to get his hands in the air, can do some other things for you, but then you're really not getting much in the way of coverage. Uh, ability with an older player like JPP um, in a spot like that. They really, to me, to my mind, they need to go out and get somebody who really has a background in pass coverage. Van Noy is kind of like the perfect guy, 
Vince Beagle was a good cheap option last year, but he got hurt. So there, there's guys around the league who fit this who fit this characteristic, but there's not you don't always know who they are, uh, particularly coming out of college. I know I've talked about that a fair amount before because those guys in college, if they can rush the passer at all, that's what they do. They don't they don't drop the coverage. They they tend to be the best pass rushers on their team in college, and so they're they're used for uh, for that primarily. Anyway, getting back to seven on seven, uh, wide receiver Samuel Curtis made a really nice low grab uh, despite good coverage by Kyle Hamilton. Didn't see a lot of Hamilton today, but he was there on this play and uh, he was in extremely good position. This is a case of uh, there's no defense for the perfect pass and uh, and it was in there for about a 15-yard grab near the left sideline. Caillou Kelly. Now, he had a good game against the Eagles looking for more this week in terms of uh, a step forward, something that would put him, on, you know, on the totem clearly uh, of of the where he fits in at corner. Looks like he's a he's pretty firmly affixed in that second team right now. But he was beaten deep by Cole Turner for a twenty five yard play down the left sideline. Um, it, it was it looked like it might have been zone coverage because Cole Turner was about five six yards behind him and also about another seven or eight yards in front of the safety. Um, I did not have my head up to really look. Did Caillou let him get away or did um, uh, Cole Turner just find a softer spot in the zone? Given the fact that Cole Turner is a tight end, I may have been giving Kelly too much of the fault for this situation. But either way, that zone needs to close up. Uh, You've heard me say a, a lot before. All zone coverages that you start with eventually become man coverages in some way once you find your assignment. And it's a uh, it's a case where uh, somebody needed to be on him uh, on a play that went uh, you know, a pass that went that far. Uh, got another play where uh, Houston Karsten and Phillips absolutely bullied a receiver to the ground. Could not see the the um, commander's number. Uh, kind of a zoo out there today, both in terms of the fans. Um, more in terms of a tremendously large media contingent present. So, you know, even though they're split into two fields and, and presumably the media is split, and then I was on the defensive field, which is the less popular, you still have a lot of people watching it. And, and a lot of the guys that I'm kind of competing for space with are, are Washington media guys who want to watch the Washington offense. And so I, because I want to watch the Baltimore defense, obviously that's, uh, um, you know, I, I, I'm on the same field as they are. So anyway, uh, Carson, Houston Carson and Phillips, and a really nice uh, hit to bully down a receiver there. Uh, Swan was beat deep on a um, play by Jalen Sample. Difficult first game for Swan in the preseason. Um, didn't do anything terrific to uh, look better in this practice. I uh, hope there's still time. Uh, hopefully get some reps coming in. But uh, Swan was one of the guys who entered early in the game against the Eagles. And I would expect that to change. I think they've got, you know, might give Mayfield a chance to come in early, might give uh, Caillou Kelly a chance to come in earlier than he did. um, And maybe get a look at Swan later um, uh, on in the practice. So if I had to guess one of those two probably gets a chance to show up a little earlier against the, uh, the the commanders in the game on Monday night. Uh, Let's see. What else have I not talked about? Let's talk about the interviews. Um, and, and I, what I always encourage you to do, I'm going to try and tell you a little bit about what I think I'm hearing, what I read between the lines, but I do encourage you just go out and listen to the interviews. They they don't take that long to listen to. You can fast forward through some of it. If you, if you already think, you know, the answer, if the questions seem to be, or answers seem to be obvious coach speak, but, um, Harbaugh talked a little bit about the dust ups during practice. Uh, he made the point that joint practices give you more control of physicality in a game. But then because you also want that physicality, it becomes a question of uh, how much is too much. And uh, they had a couple of occurrences today, obviously, where they had some had had some dust ups over this. The, the, the groups of players were getting together over it. And, uh, you know, things are there to be uh, things had to be said. The most interesting thing he said was this next point that Patrick Ricard has asked him to move back to working solely as a fullback, uh, fullback slash tight end, I should say. Um, so it appears the experiment is over. 
in terms of Ricard, um, you know, being a guard, being the eighth offensive lineman on game day, which would have been a really cool roster gain from that. But uh, that's apparently not going to happen. So the offensive lineman can actually breathe a sigh of relief that one more gets activated on game day. Uh, but, you know, looking at the possibility of he's being cut, I've, I've heard that proposed on Twitter. There is a $1.75 million savings if he's cut this year. And that's not nothing. But they have to replace him with another player. And that other player is going to make maybe a million. I don't think you replace Patrick Ricard coming off a year like he just had, unless you have serious con- concerns about his health. I don't think you replace him with a $1 million vet min guy or a $750,000 rookie or whatever it is. Um, to uh, I, I just don't think you make that exchange. I think you you spend the million, you keep Ricard, you appreciate what he can do for you in games you're leading in terms of helping you put away games. Uh, we haven't really seen the offense perform well in the fourth quarter. Uh, the offense, certainly against the Eagles, really could have used Ricard um, in that first game to, to avoid some of the, the problems they had letting the Eagles get back in the game. Um, but anyway, I, I don't think that they'll cut Ricard this year. Now, next year is a different story. In 2024, there's a $4 million savings uh, for cutting Ricard. It was, it was interesting that Harbaugh said, Maybe this is something we try again next season or words, words that were maybe slightly different. I might be paraphrasing, but uh, uh, it's interesting that he would potentially defer that discussion about Patrick Ricard. I do think if he really wants to do it, he probably needs to, to learn the position in the offseason. Probably needs to go to an offensive line camp, learn all the hand placement stuff and whatnot that would put him in a position to actually do it on an emergency basis, actually play reps there in the preseason. If the the positional specification needs to be sold to anybody at the league level by saying, look, we just didn't say our fullback is a guard because we wanted an eighth offensive lineman. He actually went to camp. He did this. He's taken all our reps as the third team left guard. He, you know, is a, is a guy we really like in terms of, uh, uh, you know, not letting us down completely uh, in a game where we have an emergency situation. And, uh, you know, he play other positions for us too. Sure. He might play a little defensive line. He may play a little fullback. Who knows what might happen? You know, if you're really going to try and sell that to a decision maker, if in fact there is one, then I think th- it'd be better if there were an off season of training to be able to point to, to say, Hey, uh, Patrick Ricard really is trying to make it as a guard here now. Uh, and, uh, and that would be a, uh, uh something I think it might be worth trying. He was asked about uh, Harbaugh about having a timetable for the left guard decision. He says he would be okay if it went right up to the opener because it probably means both are playing well. Now, I think they'll actually announce it earlier than that. And I think based on the first game, Simpson is is got a very significant lead. Um, a lot of the people who thought, well, Salah, because he had it in OTAs and he started camp as the number one, um, and, and you can include me in that group, may have been taken a little bit by the notion uh, that there was not going to be a switch. Then when Harbaugh announced the switch, kind of late went on for me that, that yeah, you want to be second in terms of your chance to perform at left guard if you're in a two-man race. And I've heard of, you know, I've heard of some companies, I think I mentioned this before, but I'll do it one more time. Um, one company had a six-year plan with three people they didn't want to lose to give them each a two-year op- opportunity to be CEO. Well, if you're the third guy in that arrangement, it might be the best place to be because you get to undo and fix bad decisions made by your two predecessors and then have them be your own at the time the decision then has to be made on who's going to be the permanent president of the company. Same thing is happening at Left Guard here. That uh, you know, Simpson has has come in, first of all, didn't have a penalty, a couple good releases of uh, potential outside the frame holds. Uh, which have been his bugaboo throughout his pro career. And then on the other side, Salah has a face mask penalty. Uh, Irony persists throughout our lives here, but this is one of these cases where um, it was a a fairly ironic turn of events that Simpson's helped out by somebody else's penalty. Uh, And I think he's got a pretty big lead right now. Um, And that doesn't mean they don't like Salah. It doesn't mean they don't want to keep Salah on the roster. His roster spot's in no jeopardy. It's just a matter of, of... who plays that position this year 
And I think there's an advantage to having um, uh, Simpson there and giving Salah some development time. There also would be an advantage in having Salah there to develop in the position and potentially allow Simpson to be a backup left tackle if that's something that he could do. Again, has the length to do it, but but we'll see if that uh, ends up being the way it plays out. Lamar Jackson was second to the podium. Um, point to the screaming kids again. They have got to do something to to change the sound dynamics of that area uh, of the corner of the castle where they do the interviews because it's just it's very difficult to hear. Um, players can't hear reporter questions, and reporters can't hear the players at all. So you have to come home and kind of get a sense of the question, and then you you, you kind of listen to the interviews again. But uh, he talked about his is working with Todd Monken. There was a comment that you know he'd given he'd given some plays to Todd, uh, and Todd had incorporated them into the playbook. That's great to hear. I hope it's true. I really hope that Monken wants to work on that relationship to try and make uh, Jackson happy. And I, I, I'm sure there are things that Jackson can tell Monken in terms of, hey, could we attack that? Could we attack this? And maybe it's it's collaborative in that Jackson says. He doesn't look like he know that safety doesn't look like he knows what he's doing. And Monken says, "Hey, you know what? That's great. Let's design a play, the two of us, to figure out how we attack that. So we'll peel him with flowers, and we'll get a a tight end crossing there. Maybe we even clear it out, and then we and then we get another player in there. That kind of collaboration, I love the idea of. Uh, but when I hear something said like that, like I'm giving him plays, reminds me of a specific scene in the movie Boogie Nights. Okay, now." In that scene, people may or may not remember about this, but it's Mark Wahlberg movie where uh, he's in the porn industry and uh, he's he's a, uh, a particularly uh, well-known male porn actor. And uh, Burt Reynolds is the director of all these films. And they're both hilarious in the roles, but Burt Reynolds is, is even more funny um, being a, a, a sleazy old director of porn films. And... He and Wahlberg are doing an interview on, uh, you know, uh, Wahlberg's success as a porn star, effectively. And Wahlberg is talking. He goes, yeah, you know, he lets me block my own sex scenes sometimes. (laughs) Immediately, Burt Reynolds responds, no, no, I don't let him do that. (laughs) And so when I hear this about Jackson saying, I'm giving him plays to put in the playbook and he's doing it kind of thing. I, I kind of remember that. Is it fair? No, probably not. But it's, it's, it was funny to me at the time. And so I thought I'd repeat it here. Long story for a limited payoff, I know. But uh, funny movie. If you haven't seen it, go back and, and watch Boogie Nights. It's, uh, it's pretty funny. Uh, Marlon Humphrey uh, was up next to the podium. He talked about the joint practices. Uh, one question he got I thought was very good. And that is, do you value this kind of physicality when you're a player who doesn't really get to play at all during the preseason and Humphrey will, will, he will barely see the field. He might you know have a series or two, but you know, these two days of practice are the physical practice he gets it. And you know, if you had to rate these, the padded, the, the non-padded practices are about a, a one physicality on the one to 10 scale. The padded practice physicality is maybe at a seven and the, um, uh, these practices are eight and a half or a nine, you know, with, with joint practices, you really want to show up against these, these opponents. You can be less careful because they're not your guys. I think Humphrey even said that, which was pretty good. And then the games themselves are a 10. Uh, but if, if you, if you're a player like Humphrey, this is some of the best physicality you get. And, uh, and he spoke to that briefly, but I'll let you listen to what his re- response was exactly. It was, it was, you know, basically a yes that he, that he appreciated the, the, the value of that. He talked about the relationship between coverage and pass rush a little bit. Um, and, you know, they had that nice seven on seven coverage sack that, uh, that I mentioned earlier. They, uh, they did some good things uh, with that, but the, the pass rush getting home and he, the question actually was about Adafi Owe's big day and he had a couple sacks um, and, and how that helped him. And you know, Marlon did a very good job. He's become an, just, it probably always was, but he's an outstanding speaker and does a very good job of explaining things, I think. And he talked about the interaction between pass rush and uh, uh, and uh, coverage and uh, did a very good job with that. Mark Andrews, last at the podium, spoke glowingly of Odell Beckham 
as a, both a player and a teammate. Says between the lines, he's a pro. He, you know, he, he, he does everything right. And off the field, great, great guy to have in the clubhouse. And so uh, good to hear all that. You know, they've spent obviously a lot of money getting of next year's money to get Odell Beckham here. And uh, hopefully he provides some value in, in both places um, with, uh, with Bateman back uh, and, and obviously with Flowers being a guy who can always benefit from throwing an additional juke on the opponent at the top of the stem, uh, having uh, Beckham here as a mentor, tremendously valuable. And, and hopefully he can also provide something on field uh, as well. Uh, Andrews also said going against a different set of players is a nice thing that, you know, he goes up against the same guys uh, day after day in camp, but just going against some different body types and some different players is a, is a positive there. So uh, uh, that was nice to hear. Anyway, great day of practice. If you want to find out what happened on offense, I'd I'd encourage you to look at the streaming element of that. There's uh, uh, seem to be mostly focused on offense from what I could tell. And I think there'd be a, a, uh, you know, a lot of things that Downing has to say that are very interesting about that. And uh, appreciate you joining me here. Uh, folks out there who'd like to do a film study short, there is still time. Hit me up with a DM on Twitter. I'd love to hear from you. I'll get back to you very quick if you want to do an episode on some topic. Theoretical topics, thought experiments, new statistics, whatever it might be, I'm very interested in hearing from you. We'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.